to a pleasure podcast for more from our sex podcast collective visit pleasurepodcasts.com this week's episode is sponsored in part by uber lube right now they're offering sluts and scholars listeners a special offer 10 percent off and free shipping when you use my code s and s at uberlube.com yes you may know uber lube as a sexual lubricant but let me tell you this week i used uber lube in my bath since i'm so dry from all the fucking sanitizing and hand washing and it was lovely made with just high grade silicone and vitamin e it was really great as a body oil which i love to do when i'm in the bath so even if all this stress has you feeling not super sexy take care of your skin there are some of you though who seem to get turned on by chaos and stress go you uh, and turn to sex as a coping tool and for those of you make sure you also get some uber lube right now they're offering sluts and scholars listeners a special offer 10 percent off and free shipping when you use my code s and s at uberlube.com that's 10 percent off and free shipping just use code s a n d s at u b e r l u b e.com Thanks for tuning in. Sluts and Scholars is a sex-positive, shame-free educational podcast where we try to help you talk smart and fuck smarter. While we love to give advice and resources, please note that this podcast or any emails from us are not intended to be therapy or a replacement for therapy. Welcome back to another week of Sluts and Scholars, where we talk smart and fuck smarter. My name is Nicoletta, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and sexologist. And this week, I am welcoming Vanessa Marin. She is a sex therapist and writer specializing in helping you have more fun in the bedroom. She has a bachelor's degree in human sexuality and sociology from Brown University and a master's degree in counseling psychology from the California Institute of Integral Studies. She is also a licensed psychotherapist who's been working in the sex therapy field since 2002 and has been featured on the New York Times, uh, Oh, Oprah Magazine, Real Simple, and many more. She is also a proud wife and has been with her partner for over a decade, so she knows all about the struggles of keeping the passion alive in a long-term relationship, which <laughs> I am really excited to talk about today because a lot of us in partnerships are in quarantine. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you so much for the great introduction. I'm really excited to get a chance to chat with you today. Well, you wrote it, so it's, you know. <laughs> well, you did such a great delivery of it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Let's just keep complimenting each other. I really like that. <laughs> yeah, it'll be an enthralling episode for everyone. <laughs> Okay, so let's talk about what is happening to sex and relationships during coronavirus. Yeah, there is a lot going on right now. I mean, this is just an unprecedented time. We are all struggling to figure out how we get through this. And I think that our relationships are really feeling a lot of extra strain, um, simply because there's so many more emotions that we're all going through. But there are also all of these crazy logistical challenges. You know, we are quarantined, so we're having to stay in our homes. We're spending more time together than probably we ever have before, maybe in closer quarters than we ever have before. We don't have our usual social outlets, our ability to, you know, go out of the house and do different things and see our friends and family and all of that. Um, maybe for some couples having kids at home and having to have handle childcare for the first time ever, or now all of a sudden you're having to be homeschoolers. Um, so there's just so much stuff that's getting put on top of our relationships. And I think we're really feeling the strain of all of that. I've heard from a couple people they've been having more sex, but then a couple people are like, no way, sex isn't even on my mind. 
I have not yet talked to any couples who are having more sex. <laughs> well, the, the the few people I talked to that were having more sex, I was like, why? How? And it seems like <laughs> it seemed like sort of the like survival apocalyptic, like end of the world stress was sort of like excited, like an excitement thing. Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I mean, you know, everybody, we all have different things that uh, get us going. So that's awesome if there are people who are, you know, letting themselves be creative and get kind of excited about this time period. Um, and I think there are a lot of people who are definitely feeling the least sexy they've felt in a long time. I count myself among that group. I'm not feeling particularly sexy these days, especially, you know, right at the beginning when all the news started unfolding. Um, but yeah. So what do we, for the rest of us, what do we do with that? What do we do with that? Oh, there is so much that we can do. Um, so I think first what we need to start with is we need to start with giving ourselves permission to be feeling whatever the hell it is that we're feeling right now. Um, I think a lot of us are experiencing so many different emotions on a daily, even an hourly basis. And the thing that I keep hearing come up over and over again is people asking, is it okay for me to be feeling this? Um, I think, you know, we're struggling. We have these emotions themselves. And then we've got the meta emotions of, you know, how we feel about, about our emotions. Our yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so a lot of us are driving ourselves pretty nuts. Like, is it okay for me to be feeling this? Um, and so I think what we need to start with all of us as individuals is just recognizing, again, we are in a, a truly nutty time right now, something that none of us anticipated. There was no way to prepare for there's no you know guidebook written on how to deal with this and so just giving ourselves some patience and grace and permission to feel whatever it is that comes our way um because you know whatever we persist or whatever we resist persists so if we can give ourselves that permission to feel our feelings they are often going to dissipate a lot faster my therapist kind of compared it or likened it to like the grief process and all the feelings that are coming up for people. So for folks who aren't familiar with like certain steps of grieving that can kind of happen in any order and, and overlap and intersect, but everything from like anger to frustration to sadness to disbelief, um, sometimes acceptance and just going through all of those in an up and down yeah. motion. <laughs> Yeah, it's such a good point to bring up. Yeah, right, really recognizing that we are going through a grieving process and that grief is going to get even more intense too as this goes on longer and longer and there are more aspects of our lives that we have to change or even give up. Um, you know, kids who are missing graduations, you know, high school and college graduations, not being able to attend. One of my best friends was supposed to get married next month and had to cancel yeah. his wedding. Um, so, you know, anniversaries and vacations and celebrations and birthdays. Um, there's a lot that we have to grieve. Yeah. And in addition, just feeling maybe helpless or hopeless about things that we can't do to help or like, what are we supposed to do? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm really loving these memes that are going around right now that are sharing, you know, if you're staying home, you're doing something, <laughs> you know, you're yes. keeping, keeping the curve flatlined. We're keeping our healthcare workers safe. Um, you know, cause I think, yeah, a lot of us are stuck at home and feeling powerless, feeling like we're doing nothing. So I just love that reframe of no, actually staying home is an incredibly powerful and brave act. Well, I'm kind of sort of of the liberal belief system that like not living together might be the key to like a long lasting, great relationship. 
<laughs> so if we're thinking of not just in coronavirus times, but like cohabitating with a partner, what are some of the things that you've seen in your coaching practice um, of what happens when folks live together and are sharing close quarters for a long period of time? Yeah, it's a huge transition for us to be making. You know, a lot of us in, in partnerships, you know, even if we've been together for a long time, um, so much of that time is spent out of the house apart from each other. And we have this ability to come back into our home and check in about our days and, you know, have our home feel like this cozy space where we get to reconnect and, and interact with each other. And I think even a lot of couples in long-term relationships start to feel like cohabiting. It gets to be a little bit of a drag sometimes. You're always seeing you know, your partner doesn't leave, leaves the toilet seat up. They've always got their socks. You left the towel on the floor. (laughs) So there are already some annoyances that a lot of us have to deal with, but now it's just so much more intense because we're not able to leave our homes. Our homes are having to be the containers for all of our life activities. So you might have, you know, one or both partners who are working from home, maybe for the first time ever. Um, now your home is your childcare, you know, uh, space. It's also supposed to be our space for relaxation. Um, but our you know, solo time of our meal, like everything is happening in, you know, within our homes and it's just, it's a lot to deal with. So what are some other things that couples can do to get creative in this time? So, you know, as a couple, I think one of the most important things that we can do is just start opening up the lines of communication with our partner. So I'm talking to so many couples who they just, you know, even though this has been going on for a while already, still feel really embarrassed or ashamed to have to bring this up as a conversation with their partner. Um, In particular, I'm hearing a lot of people say, you know, I need some alone time, but I'm feeling really bad bringing that up with my partner. Like, well, they think that I, you know, I don't like them or I'm getting sick of them. Um, So even though these might seem like really straightforward conversations to have with a partner, like, hey, how do we get through this together? I'm definitely seeing a lot of couples who feel nervous about taking that first step. So if you haven't already, it's definitely time to open up a conversation and just, you know, say to your partner, okay, this is you know, life is looking really different right now than it did even a few weeks ago, even a few days ago. How do we get through this? Can we come up with a game plan together of what we need from each other and how we can manage? Um, so that's a great first step that everyone should be taking. I mean, it sounds so, so smooth when you say it. <laughs> For folks who like haven't challenge themselves to have those conversations yet or like don't have the language any any tips for like getting that ball rolling or getting started or is it just kind of diving in well, one thing that you can do that might feel like a little bit more of a baby step would be to start with doing a, a daily check-in with your partner. So you don't even have to talk about, let's make a game plan for how we're going to get through this, but just checking in with them about how are you doing today? What are you feeling right now? Um, so I have a free guide that we just put together that we're offering on my website at vmtherapy.com that you're welcome to go check out and download. I kind of walk you through five questions that um, can open up a great conversation and just check in with your partner on a daily basis. So that might feel a little bit easier to get started with that you're just having more open communication then maybe when you get a few of those check-ins under your belt then it can feel a little bit more comfortable to to start saying you know it's been really useful for me to do this check-in with you and just hear how you're doing and how you're managing this I wonder if we could talk about how we manage this as a team I love that I, I call it like taking the relationship temperature 
Yes, I love that. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I, I think to add on to it, and I don't want you to give them away because I want people to like buy and check out your guide. <laughs> but um, <laughs> it's free. But thank you. <laughs> great. Okay. Well, then tell us some of the questions. <laughs> <laughs> so um, one of the questions that I really like on it is, "What's something that would feel good for you today?" So I think, you know, a lot of us are starting to think about this idea of needs. And obviously that's a hot topic in relationship. Like, what do you need from your partner? Share your needs with your partner. Um, and I think a lot of people, we think of this topic and it feels really overwhelming. You know, like if, if I were just to ask you right now, what are your needs in a relationship? Like, I'm sure there'd be a couple that you could, you could spew off quickly, but it's such a big question that sometimes we don't really know how to answer it. So I like really shrinking that question down into what's something that would feel good. That's the only barometer that we need to use right now. What would feel good? And so I think that just creates a great opportunity for the two of you to have little moments of connection. Because yes, we need to talk about, you know, tools and resources for getting through this time, but we also need to experience little moments of joy and connection and intimacy with our partners too. We can't just be in survival mode. So your answers can be really simple. Um, my husband and I have been doing this a lot and my answers have been like, I need a little back massage or I just want to cuddle on the sofa and watch the Great British Baking Show. Um, so, you know, it doesn't need the to essentials. be anything wild or out of control or, you know, it can take two minutes, um, but it's just a nice check-in to have with each other. And a maybe good time to do that is to like find something you can do together. So whether you have a bath or whether you're taking a socially distanced walk around the block or yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, shower together or just like, I don't know, while you're eating, like it sounds like you can work it into your, your daily routine. Yeah, my husband and I have been doing it as we take our dogs on uh, on a walk. We have two little pugs, so we have to get outside, but we're maintaining our distance. Yes. Um, and it's been really nice, actually, to combine the check-in with a little bit of physical movement. Just for me, like being in motion, moving my body, getting some fresh air um, mm-hmm. has made it easier to answer some of the questions, too. So I'd recommend that if you can do that. And for people who are not partnered, it sounds like these could be good questions to ask yourself if you're like self-partnered. Yeah. And also maybe even friends or family members, you know, I think a lot of us are checking in with our loved ones a lot more regularly than normal. And that's a, a nice benefit actually of, of what we're all going. I think we're all trying to create more connections. So that could be a sweet way to check in with somebody that you love too. Okay. So check-ins, having those tough conversations, seeing where you're at, what else? Making a plan for how you guys are going to get through the days. So obviously every couple has different stuff on their plate, whether it's childcare, whether it's, um, you know, work meetings um, and, you know, that kind of stuff. But I think planning the day before for the next day can be really, really useful. And even if you can, planning for the week ahead of you. So maybe on a Sunday or a Saturday, the two of you check in about what's the stuff on our plate right now. Um, So, you know, there's so much that's not in our control right now. And that's really challenging for us to have to accept, but we can try to be purposeful about making a specific plan for the day. So even if it's, you know, okay, I'm going to take the early childcare shift so you can get some work done and then you'll take over for me at two and then I can get some work done. Or if it's, you know, I have a conference call at one, so can you go out in the backyard so I can have a little privacy or put on your headphones so I don't bother you. Um, just if we kind of talk through what's on our plate and how we can support each other, that can make a really, really big difference. And in doing that, 
a lot of couples I know, including some relationships I've been in, there's usually one person who's like the initiator of these conversations. Um, how might you suggest navigating not getting into this sort of like parental role of like, okay, now it's time to do our chores or like now it's time to check in um, when you know maybe the other person isn't going to bring it up. Yeah, that can be a challenging one. I mean, my gut reaction on that one is I think that there are a lot of relationship dynamics that, um, you know, that might be coming up right now that it might be best for us to just say, can I have a little bit of patience and grace with this right now? Because it's, it's a pretty crazy time. Um, so I think, you know, a lot, we all get into this, like, oh, I don't always want to be the person who's doing this. But like right now with it's so chaotic, everything's like under a microscope. Yeah. So I think, you know, if it's something that really is, you know, it would really have a big impact for you to know that your partner was taking the initiative, you know, by all means, have a conversation with them. I'm not saying sweep everything under the rug right now, but I do think there are certain things that we can say, you know what? Yeah, it's really frustrating that I'm always the one who does the planning, but I'm also really good at the planning. And maybe for this next month or so, or however long this goes on, um, that I can, I can step up in that way. What's next? So next, I would say creating the space for the two of you to have totally different reactions to what's happening. So this is another dynamic that I'm hearing a lot about from couples is that there's- Why aren't you feeling what I'm feeling? <laughs> like, well, one person saying, you know, well, I'm reacting to stress in this way and my partner's reacting to the stress in this completely different way. Um, so I had an example of this um, couple that I was talking to where she was saying, you know, my husband um, is reacting to the stress by he's just ranting and raving about the stock market and he's just obsessed with, you know, checking everything that's going on. And me, I just want to have some escapism. I want to cuddle and, you know, connect. And it's just feeling strange that we're having such wildly different reactions. And also, I don't feel very close to him when he's doing the ranting and raving and I'm just wanting a little bit of snuggle time on the couch. So I think, you know, first piece of this is just recognizing we are all dealing with stress in different ways and we're going to continue dealing with stress in different ways. So part of it just needs to be creating the space and the permission to let our partner react however it is that they're reacting. And for me, I'm finding it really helpful to just keep reminding myself of this phrase, we're all doing the best that we can. So I might see my husband Xander sometimes doing something, you know, he's, he's goofing off or he's obsessively reading articles and, and I might feel myself feeling a little bit annoyed. Like, why is he doing that? Why isn't he doing X, Y, Z instead. And just trying to tell myself he's doing the best that he can right now. We all are doing the best that we can right now. This week's episode is sponsored in part by Uberlube. Right now they're offering Sluts and Scholars listeners a special offer, 10% off and free shipping when you use my code S&S at uberlube.com. Yes, you may know Uberlube as a sexual lubricant, but let me tell you, this week I used Uberlube in my bath since I'm so dry from all the fucking sanitizing and hand washing, and it was lovely. Made with just high-grade silicone and vitamin E, it was really great as a body oil, which I love to do when I'm in the bath. So even if all this stress has you feeling not super sexy, take care of your skin. There are some of you, though, who seem to get turned on by chaos and stress, go you, uh, and turn to sex as a coping tool. And for those of you make sure you also get some uber lube right now they're offering sluts and scholars listeners a special offer 10 percent off and free shipping when you use my code s and s at uberlube.com that's 10 percent off and free shipping just use code s a n d s at u b e r l u b e.com 
I think it can be hard to find empathy when you're feeling like you're in survival mode and you really want to like bring that other person into what you're feeling. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we want to feel connected to our partners. But the other interesting thing is um, that if we were having the exact same reactions as our partners, that could actually create even more problems. So it might be nice in the times where, you know, you're both just wanting to cuddle on the couch to relieve your stress. That's great. But what if you're both feeling like really panicky and out of control and, you know, terrified at the same There's time? There's no like, balance. That be, yeah, that would be so much to have to you know, deal with. So, um, you know, with my husband Xander and I, we, we've been kind of trading off where one day someone happens to be feeling a little bit more sad or scared. And the other person's like, Hey babe, I got you. Like, it's okay. We're going to get through this. Everything's going to be fine. And then we flip flop the next day. And it's actually really nice to have one partner that can kind of step up and and say, you know, it's all right. We're going to be okay. And then I would also say, you know, with that, it's it's important for us to feel into our boundaries around the ways that we can and can't show up for our partners. So we don't need to be our partner's entire stress outlet. So going back to that example of the couple where, you know, he was ranting about the stock market, I invited her to say, okay, let's take a look at if you try to put, you know, this frame of empathy around it, around he's doing the best he can, this is his way of managing the stress right now, then ask yourself, is that something that I feel comfortable showing up for him for? Can I have a conversation with him about like, yeah, the stock market sucks. Look at how much this stock went down. It's crazy. You might feel into, yeah, you know, it's not my preferred coping mechanism, but sure, I can do a little ranting about the stock market too. Or you may feel into, you know what? I'm not really available to offer support in that way. I don't want to talk about the stock market. So in that case, it could be having a conversation with the partner and saying, you know, I totally respect that this is what you're needing to do to get through this. I'm not available to offer that support. But what if you called a friend or a family member and had that conversation with them? So you're still allowing them to have that reaction, but you're just being clear with, I I can or I cannot um, show up to support you in that way. I love that idea for self and and creating those boundaries. And I imagine on the receiving end, that could feel really hurtful. Even if if it's not meant to be, it's like, you know, I'm taking care of myself and that might be on them to figure out how to sort of tolerate the discomfort of finding someone else to talk to. But also, um, yeah, how do you encourage people to like receive that with an an openness and not take it personally? I think this is where having that initial conversation can really come into play where if you guys can talk to each other about, you know, look, there is a lot of stress that's being put on our relationship right now. And maybe even using this podcast as an opportunity to open that conversation. Like you can say, you know, I think we're being put in this situation where we're having to lean on each other more than ever before. And I love you and I want to be here for you to support you as much as I can. And I want to make sure that we still allow our, you know, each other to have individual stress outlets. It really sucks that we're not able to go have drinks with our friends or go meet up with our mom for lunch. But I think it's important still for, you know, you to call your mom every week or for me to have my Skype date with my friends um, or me to keep, you know, kind of holding up in the bedroom and doing my yoga. So if you just sort of introduce that idea of let's make sure we make the space for ourselves to take care of ourselves, um, then it doesn't feel quite so much like a, you know, slamming door, like, no, I am not doing that for you. We can use more gentle language and say, you know, I would love for you to be able to get that need met. I wonder if that would be a great conversation for you to have with John or Sally. (laughs) Yeah. And (laughs) 
And sometimes the needs can feel competing, right? Like if you're like, oh, I could really use a cuddle on the couch right now, but your partner's like, well, what I need is to play video games. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like whose needs are more important? (laughs) Yeah. So the first step there is just both partners being able to verbalize that. And this can be really hard sometimes. It can be so hard just to say, I need this, or I'm really wanting this or craving this right now. So the, the more that we can allow ourselves to be courageous and just say, you know, this is what would feel really good for me right now. And then if both partners can say that out loud, then that's an opportunity to just, to just sit with, oh, that's interesting that we're wanting such different things right now. What what comes up when we think about that? Um, and there might be some space that moves within that. So maybe one partner says, you know, oh, I didn't, I didn't realize that you were really wanting to cuddle with me. That's actually pretty sweet. So yeah, I'm going to go cuddle with you. Or maybe it's one person or the other partner saying, oh, you know, video games sound like a great distraction right now. <laughs> um, or maybe sometimes it's just sitting with, damn, that sucks that we're wanting such different things right now. Um, so we're definitely going to find ourselves sometimes in positions where it it feels like we can't show up for each other in the exact same way that we're wanting to. And I think we have to sit with that discomfort. And unless you're someone in a non-monogamous setup where maybe you can, you know, reach out to other folks for a potentially like sex outlet, what are your suggestions for folks who are maybe Maybe that's something they're wanting or needing during this time, but their other partner is like, I'm not feeling sexy at all. Like, mm-hmm. do, we, do we just do we just accept that feeling of like, I'm not feeling sexy at all. Let's just like drop the ball on our sex life for a little while and take the pressure off. Or would you encourage folks to, I don't want to say force it, but like find a way to to maintain some kind of intimacy yeah, this is definitely something that's coming up a lot because I think we all approach sex from dif- in different ways and we're looking for different things out of sex. Um, so a lot of people use sex as a form of stress relief, you know, where that it, it feels like it helps soothe them. They feel better afterwards. You know, they're just yeah. looking for that catharsis of sex and, and intimacy and connection. And for other people, stress is just immediate shutdown of their sex drives. Um, so what I'm encouraging couples to do here here is, you know, just first recognizing that we are, you know, looking for different things out of sex, recognizing that it's totally okay to not be feeling super sexy right now makes a lot of sense. Um, But to try to challenge themselves to make the space for intimacy in their relationships. Um, And so what I'm encouraging is for us to really try lowering the bar with what intimacy means right now. And I think this is a trap that a lot of us run into even in non-crisis situations is that we think of sex, especially with heterosexual couples as intercourse, you know, and that's the only way to be intimate is just do the, you know, the whole shebang. Um, Fuck that. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Um, So instead, you know, sex can be a lot of different things. Um, And, you know, if we're, th- if you're thinking I'm not feeling very sexy right now, but my partner wants sex, that means I got to, you know, have intercourse and do this whole thing. Like, yeah, of course you're not going to feel much desire, but if you can focus instead on what about just getting in bed and holding each other? What about having a little makeout session? What about exchanging massages? Um, so I really think focusing more on touch than specifically on sex right now um, can be really, really useful. And you may find that there are times where maybe you get in bed and you're naked with your partner and you're starting to feel like relaxed and, oh, it does feel good to have my partner touch me. Maybe you do end up wanting a little bit more. That's great. Maybe you don't want a little bit more. That's great. You still had some touch and connection. 
Um, so, you know, touch is one of the most essential ways that we feel connected to another person. So I think that even if you're not feeling the desire, even if you're feeling like, you know, just very turned off, try practicing some form of touch with your partner and see what that might open up for you. And to maybe translate that for folks who are not partnered, I think it's still important to practice like doing touch stuff with yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So even if, even if it's not a goal oriented, like masturbation sesh, you know, give yourself a vulva massage, give yourself a penis massage, like take a bath, do, I don't know, do something. Yeah. Touching our own bodies is so important. And I think it's, it's something that most people just don't really think about. And even when we do think about masturbation, it tends to be pretty utilitarian. Like, you know, I just want to get off, just rub one out and now I'm done. Yeah, exactly. Um, but there's, you know, yeah, there's such a great opportunity to explore our own bodies, like in a slow down a little bit and, um, just play with our bodies. It sounds like for folks who want to lean into not just the touching, but that it's a real opportunity to like get creative. And if you've listened to sluts and scholars for a while, you know, that we're all about like redefining what sex means. And so this is really an opportunity to like practice other creative ways of having quote unquote sex and what that can mean and what that can look like. I know. This is something that I talk about all the time with couples, you know, pre-crisis. I feel like we've got like a pre-crisis and post-crisis kind of situation going on right now. Yeah. And it's harder to practice and like introduce a new thing during a crisis, but like give it a try. (laughs) (laughs) But we, you know, I think it's just so important to recognize that having a great sex life is something that takes a lot of effort. You know, we have all these stereotypes that great sex is just supposed to happen. It's supposed to be natural. But the reality is that it does take a lot of effort. We don't always feel that wild, spontaneous desire out of nowhere. Um, I, I like to say that desire isn't something that comes barging through our front door. It's something that we have to invite in. Um, and so that's, you know, true now more than ever, but just recognizing that it's not some weird thing that you're, you know, feeling like you have to make an active effort to feel desire. It's totally normal. And it's something we experience all the time. What are some ways to invite it in? <laughs> So carving out the time for it. Um, I'm a really big fan of scheduled sex um, and not sex in means of, you know, intercourse, but scheduling some sort of physical intimacy with your partner. Um, I think there's something very powerful about making an agreement that you're going to show up with your partner and just see what you're open to in that moment. Um, So you're not promising anything or guaranteeing anything. It's just, I'm going to show up and I'm going to be connected to you and we're going to see what happens. Um, so I think now more than ever scheduling sex can be a great thing to experiment with and play around with and see, you know, yeah, what's it like to put a little date on the calendar for Friday night. And for me to be looking at that on a Wednesday and thinking, Oh, can I, can I get myself a little bit excited? Can I think about what's that going to be like? Can I remember some of my past favorite sexual memories with my partner? Can I do a little bit of self-touch and, you know, see if I can get myself excited about that, but trying to build a little bit of a sense of anticipation. I had a professor who called it scheduled spontaneity. Oh, I like that. <laughs> Me too. Cause it's like not, you know, it's not goal oriented. So you're still saying like, look, this is a time for us to connect and maybe get into that like erotic close headspace. But like you said, there's no guarantee that we're going to be in the mood for uh, penetration or a specific kind of penetration or a specific kind of sex or even sex at all. But it's, yeah, making an agreement to show up for each other. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And to show up for yourself too and see, you know, if I, if I allow myself just to get into that space, what comes up? So this is, you know, my husband and I schedule sex in our relationship and it's been really interesting the last couple of weeks for me to just, you know, we'll have our, our sex day on the calendar. And I've had plenty of times where I'm like, I don't want to do that. Can we reschedule it? I don't know. Um, but I allow myself to show up and to try to be gentle and curious with myself. And I'm, you know, a lot of times discovering like, wow, this actually feels really nice to just be able to show up for myself in this way and have that, that openness and that curiosity about what might emerge here. Do you find that coaching clients of yours will put off the scheduling, the scheduling, the sex dates or like they won't follow through? Yeah, I mean, sometimes people do. So what I usually like to say is, you know, we, we kind of have to be realistic with it. Like, yeah, maybe you're, there's a day where you just get some awful news. You're, you know, just in a state of panic. It just really doesn't feel like a good time. So yeah, we do have to give ourselves the flexibility of sometimes it it really might feel better to say, can we come back to this tomorrow? Um, But unless things are feeling really, really intense, I still encourage people to try to show up and, um, you know, Again, keep that bar super low. So maybe in that particular time, all that you're going to do is just cuddle, or maybe it's just giving each other a hug. That's okay, but you know, can we still challenge ourselves? So when I really emphasize the the lowering the bar aspect, I think that helps people feel a little bit more comfortable with it and recognizing, okay, I'm not I'm not committing to anything that feels really challenging or just super outside of my comfort zone. But it's also this disconnect of like where folks say their priorities are. So if you're saying like, oh, well, my priority is is to improve sex in our relationship or is my relationship, but you're treating it as sort of like a lower level of importance. But let's say you had a business meeting or like a date with a friend, wouldn't you reschedule that? Or wouldn't you like make time to show up for that or show up on time? And so I think it's easy to take things for granted when you think someone will just be there. Exactly. And that could actually be a really interesting way to kind of check in with yourself if you're feeling the desire to reschedule something. So you could ask yourself, okay, let me pretend that this sex date with my partner was actually, uh, you know, Skype cocktails drink with my best friend. Would I reschedule this? So maybe there are certain times where you're like, yeah, I just found out that I got laid off today and I don't want to talk to anybody. Okay, cool. You've, You've had a good check with yourself. But there may be other times where you think, no, I'm actually, I'm, I'm fine. And I would be open to connecting with somebody. It's just, there's some discomfort coming up for me around, you know, with my partner. And so that can be a good challenge to you of, yeah, it's, it's important for us to, um, to, to push ourselves to, you know, prioritize our relationship and our partners. And I don't want people to think that like, if it's really going poorly, that you don't have a way out. But I was reading a few articles that like divorce rates have skyrocketed during coronavirus times. And so I don't want to say like, don't make a decision now and don't leave. And at the same time, like you were saying, this is a time of like high emotionality. So like, when I know it's not up to us to tell people when to leave their relationship, but like when is a sexual disconnect something that you think maybe can't be worked on? I would say that this is a time to put big decisions on hold right now, not just about the state of your relationship, but just in general, you know, there's so much going on right now. We're having to deal with, you know, just getting by day to day can feel really challenging. So putting the added weight of a huge emotional decision on top of that, I think it's just too much. So we're going to have to keep seeing how this unfolds. Um, obviously, you know, there are a lot of, um, 
a lot of researchers saying that this can go on 12, 18 months. Like we don't really know. So I, you know, I don't want to encourage anyone if it's feeling like this is really going to go on for a long time that you feel like, well, I can't make this big, important decision until 2022. Um, but you know, for right now, maybe see if you can just put a big decision on hold. And just for listeners to know, I don't, I wouldn't say that includes if you're in like an abusive relationship because, uh, abuse is definitely more dangerous and has skyrocketed for folks who are quarantined with their partner. So just a quick thing, if you are struggling with that, like please call something like the national domestic violence hotline at 1-800-799-7233 or rain R. A-I-N-N. Um, so that's put aside, we're talking more of like, you know, interpersonal struggles, not abuse. So please get help and support around that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really, really glad that you brought that up because that's definitely a, a challenge that's coming up The yeah, rates are skyrocketing right now. And I don't think it's being talked about nearly enough. So absolutely, it's really important. But yes, we're talking about about pleasure and all those things. But I just want to make sure that like listeners out there like have that resource just in case. Um, Anything that we didn't cover about other suggestions you have for cohabiting or partnering during this time? What if you don't live together? That is such a big challenge right now. I'm hearing from so many couples who don't live together and it's this real struggle of how do we maintain a connection if we cannot spend time with each other? And so I think- Or or if you have like a primary partner and then other partners that don't live with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, yeah, I'm hearing all kinds of situations of, you know, people who- people are moving back to their um, parents to try to support them or, you know, just all kinds of situations going on. So I think that this is an opportunity if you're not living together um, to try to get really creative about staying in contact with each other. Um, Fortunately, we've got good technology. Of course, it's never going to be the same as being able to hold and touch each other in person. But, um, you know, really staying in touch uh, much more frequently over the phone, over video chat, over text. Maybe this is the opportunity to start writing some love letters to each other, like over email, maybe even snail mail could be kind of fun. Um, setting up, you know, date nights with each other where you put, put a video chat on and maybe you cook a dinner together or you watch one of your favorite shows together. Um, anything that you can do to try to, you know, maintain a, a tiny sense of normalcy of like, yeah, these are the things that we, we love cooking together. We love making cocktails together. We love watching this show. We love playing video games. Um, you know, whatever it is that you can do, um, trying to be as creative as possible. And fortunately, there are also some fun sex toys as well that are Bluetooth enabled where one person can have control over the toy while the other, you know, the other person has the toy itself. So that can be a super sexy way to stay connected. Um, You can definitely do like masturbation sessions with each other over the phone or over video chat. Um, So there there are ways to stay connected. Of course, it's going to be more challenging, but can also, you know, we can definitely make that effort. Yeah, it can be more challenging, but also like just in hearing you list it out, I think it can be exciting too. Because if that's, if those things and those like maybe games or things that you haven't tried, like that could be a lot of fun. 
It could definitely be a lot of fun. There's a lot to explore right now. So, yeah, I mean, I think in the times that we can, if we can allow ourselves to just, you know, play around with the the challenges that we're um, being faced. There was, uh, I was talking to somebody the other day who was talking about, you know, it's kind of reminding me of being a teenager again and having to like sneak around and figure out how to be creative and having these long conversations with each other over the Oh, I hope my parents don't hear me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like the phone conversations that I had with my boyfriend when I was 16 years old. Oh my God. <laughs> so it could be a fun time to try to channel some of that energy again. Anything else that you would add before we start wrapping up? I think looping back around to this idea of alone time is another really important um, thing to recognize as well. So, you know, earlier I was just talking about trying to normalize alone time, that it doesn't mean that, you know, your relationship has gone sour or anything like that. Like just recognizing we all need alone time. That's just a natural human need. So this is another opportunity where we might need to try to get creative about how to get it. If you're, you know, living together and working together and being together all the time, um, you know, so sometimes it might be just closing and locking the door and having a little bit of alone time. Um, you can get creative with different ways of supporting each other and getting alone time. So for me in particular, I think there's something really powerful about being able to be in my own home alone. Um, so even if it's something like, you know, you're, Hey, can you get out <laughs> you're sit in the backyard or something, you know, for 20 minutes and you're just going to know like, Oh, I'm alone. You know, I won't be bothered. Or if it's, you know, taking turns, walking the dog. So different people get to be, you know, alone at the, at different times, um, taking over childcare, you know, so we create that space, but just trying to support each other and having a little bit of alone time, even if it's just a couple minutes a day. But it sounds like that's where the scheduling together can be important because you can sort of schedule the alone time at, at the, either at the same time or at different times to make sure like, oh, cool. One thing that you like to do is go on a walk. Like, hey, would you mind doing this walk solo so I can have my alone time at that hour as well? Exactly. Yeah. It all loops back around. So yeah, we can have those conversations, make a plan. We can make this happen. And I think having alone time is going to go a long way with making you actually feel excited to be with your partner, even though you're spending so much time with them already. And not that I want this to like this time to last forever. I'm looking forward for this to be getting better and, you know, for things to be changing and healthcare to be improving and all of that. And I think a lot of the things that people can have the opportunity to practice during this coronavirus time are things that they can use in their relationship anytime and all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I really think that there's an opportunity here for us to learn new relationship skills that are not only going to help us get through this current crisis, but that can serve our relationships and even strengthen our relationships long after this has passed. So I think, you know, too often we end up like sweeping things under the rug in our relationship. And now everything's kind of laid bare in front of us right now. Um, but it's definitely such a great opportunity to develop these skills that are going to serve your relationship. Well, I'm so glad that there are other folks out there like you who are offering these skills to people. Where can folks find you, hire you, get in touch? <laughs> yeah. So you can find me at my website. It's vmtherapy.com, VM like my initials, therapy.com. Um, we have a ton of free resources available on our site. Um, that check-in that I mentioned earlier. Um, and when you sign up, 
for um, any one of those free guides. We are also sending out weekly emails with, you know, more free tips and resources and stuff. And then I'm also pretty active on Instagram at Vanessa Marin Therapy. I do a lot of stories, pictures of my pugs, fun stuff like that. Well, I'm definitely signing up for all that, but mostly the pugs. Again, if you want to follow. <laughs> They're very cute. <laughs> If you want to follow what I'm doing at Sluts and Scholars, I'm on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars, on Twitter at Sluts Scholars, and feel free to send over your questions, rants, if you need resources to slutsandscholars at gmail.com. But thank you so much, Vanessa, for, for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. It was really great getting to chat with you. Nice chatting with you, too.